0: This is a a strange one. I'm aware that after six years and happy birthday to us, thank you all for being there. I'm aware that after over 130 interviews, some of these intros, if I were to go back and listen to them again, might sound similar. This one won't. Mick Clegg is idiosyncratic. There's no way around that. I think it's both innate and deliberate. That didn't hinder him becoming an important part of some of the dominant years of Sir Alex Ferguson at Manchester United. Mick Clegg, you see, is a a power development coach. At the time that he was working successfully at United, both at the Cliff and Carrington, he was the only one in uh, the Premier League. Now, when he came in with new techniques, he had to persuade, he had to earn his spurs one of the ways he did that was getting on um, boxing gloves and getting in the the ring with Roy Keane. It wasn't a pugilistic bout. But listen in to find how boxing between Keane and Clegg won this new guy respect. Listen in to find out Clegg's views on what he calls the non-athlete Paul Scholes, but how Scholes was king of the three-meter sprint. One of the guests on previous Big Interview episode was Brian Jockey McClare, somebody we've got the whole world of respect for, somebody who's hugely enjoyable to listen to. And if you're not listening to his Life with Brian podcast, you should be. Now, Brian McClare was a disbeliever in some of Clegg's ideas. He was far more convinced by... Uh, attached to. The idea of hours and hours on the ball, working at football, working at personal development with the ball at feet, working at football tactics. They clashed a little bit. Whether there's any respect from Chucky McClare to Mick Clegg is something that Brian can talk about. From Mick Clegg to Brian McClare, there definitely is. There's episodes here within this Mick Clegg interview about how Ryan Giggs became obsessed with self-improvement, And there's a chunk as well about Cristiano Ronaldo. He came not fully formed, but not some sort of eight-stone weakling from Portugal. The difference was that working with Clegg, he became or was en route to becoming the physical specimen that we see today. And his physique has definitely prolonged his career and pushed him to the very top of his abilities. There's the episode about when a young female admirer approached Cristiano Ronaldo... And the Portuguese apparently told her that he was built by Cleggie. So this punching with Rain Rooney in here and all of this is inspired by the book The Power and the Glory in good bookshops right now. Expertly ghosted by a friend of this podcast, Steve Bartram. So for the moment, before you go out and buy The Power and the Glory, listen in to Mick Clegg and the story of his remarkable time making Manchester United more powerful.
1: How do I approach working with Roy Keane? I had a, a consultation with him because I wouldn't work with him until he had a consultation, which is a cup of tea in a canteen, to discuss what he'd done before, to see if my type of work he'd ever been, you know, exposed to. And of course he hadn't, apart from one thing, and that was boxing. So I had a boxing club at the time at my general in Olympic gym, it's called Olympic uh, boxing club. And so um, I said to him, well, we can use some of the techniques in boxing, that um, I've used for your, you know, for your training, performance training, especially. But we need to build up from some other ways, you know, that you haven't done. He'd never done weights before, so I said we'll put a package together for you and see how it goes. So I went with Roy down into the gym, start training him, and Roy loved what we was doing, and he was passionate about it, and that showed through. Roy's passion showed through; he put everything into it. It was fantastic lad to train, but what happens then, Roy being the um, being the captain of the team, he has a massive influence on the team, so the first person that came along from when Roy was trained was Wes Brown, we were using focus mitts here, which is how you start everybody in, in boxing, is using the focus mitts, because football is in essence about one thing, scoring goals, so you think in terms of the the pads being the target. And then the boxer, or the lad, the footballer, who's doing the boxing type training, is going to hit the target. And you want them to hit the target well, efficiently, and get a lot from it. And there's lots of different things you can get from that. Aggression, speed of reaction, concentration, power, um, speed, time, strength, power type, I'm talking about. You can get strength and you get balance. You can get in, in, in the perfect get-start position with boxing. is perfect for that. So there's so many different um, facets to boxing training. But never did they go in a, in a ring or a spa. Never. That would be horrendous for footballers. But the, the, the thing is that you can look at somebody, you can listen to somebody, you can feel somebody. When they hit your arm, you're getting a real feeling of who they are, what they've got because the punch doesn't come from the arms, it comes from the hips, it comes from the legs, from the back and the arms, and you can really feel their
0: power. You you explained to me that there was no sparring involved, but by the end of that summer, when Wes came along, and I think you explained that he was quite, he was quicker, um, that he was sharper. How did that, you know, because that summer, when you talk about the players coming back and witnessing what was going on, and I won't use the word sparring again, you caught attention, or the players' attention was drawn to Wes and Roy and what they were doing. And I think you had an outdoor session at yeah, one stage. Yeah, which yeah. just explain that because I think one of the things that people who, who are devoted to football, in my opinion, lack most is access to envisage these things and understand these things. <clears throat> Not nobody that listens to <clears throat> this podcast is looking for celebrity tales, no. But we're 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 surrounded by people who who love football who are fanatical and want to understand more and one of the sad things about my the span of my career is that previously after a game you would go and have a drink in the manager's office yeah. often you could watch training and if you wanted to watch training to learn it was the best resource whether you're just a, an enthusiastic fan or you're a broadcaster or a writer because you change and you learn and you get some of the rid of the some of the stupid pre so I'm asking about the way in which you squared that circle because you won Roy's uh, respect. Then you were impressed, I guess, by his dedication and his, his surge to be the best at what he was doing with you. And then Wes comes along, and it comes to it comes to a, a culmination with the two of them that summer, which must have done you very,
1: you know, a lot of good in terms of credibility. So I've got eighteen lads out on the pitch. <clears throat> All right, I'm going to do eighteen different exercises for the well, seventeen actually. Because one of the exercises is going to be doing focus mitts. We need boxing with me. We call it boxing because it's so simple to call it boxing. Nobody's going to be throwing punches back at them. Not even me. Uh, I'm the only one who gets punched. You know, how many rounds of boxing, how many punches I've taken on my hands over the years. But if you imagine 18 players, and we've got loads of different exercises in a circuit, okay? I make sure that everybody's got an exercise. Then we move from one to the other. So I'm there... Doing boxing with two of them to show what we're going to be doing. All right, so I get Roy out and we do a minute on the focus mitts. Everybody else is watching, and then I get Wes to do another minute. And as you can imagine, the two completely different athletes, sizes, speeds, power, etc. Reach, so reach, exactly all them different things. And of course, me, like I'm a nasty little old you know what I mean shouting things at them which they love you know you use it don't you? you use it to get attention from the crowd you know to get attention from the person you're, you know you're working with and and it's fantastic because the lads wanted to see it you know so we did just two rounds to show them and said you're going to be doing it next now I'm not expecting you know this um, quality but I want you to, to do it have a go at it you know what I mean so they did the first two rounds and they got an absolute standing ovation because they looked like they'd been boxing for years. And and so it's like, wow. And so people wanted to do it. So then we had all sorts of shoulder presses and jumps and, you know, squats and, you know, midsection stuff and everything. But everybody had a go at it. But what stood out that day was them too, the way that they performed in their one minute it was boxing training for football. All my exercises, every single exercise that I do, is specific to football. Now, to take each exercise and split it down to show you where it's specific is, is not the easiest thing to do. You've got to go a little bit scientific on that. But every single one of them is got it's got footballers in mind. And then I use other exercises for cricketers, and other exercises for uh, rugby players, other exercises for weightlifters, etc to get the effect. But what you're looking for all the time, you're looking at footballers. So first of all, you have to be really knowledgeable about the skills of football. And then you really need knowledge of the physical side of football, the athletic side of football. And you've got to be pulling the bits out. Now, as you get these stars, and it's the reason in my gym that I've got pictures of all these stars around the gym, is because they're still Poking me in the eye to say that's why he did this and this is why he did that because he picked something out on Paul's goals, where the way he moves and the fact that he was a non-athlete, you know, which is amazing, a non-athlete compared with a lot of them, but his ability to be able to see everything, to move so rapidly in a very small area, and to get that ball sometimes without even touching it and move it on, you know. in other words, you don't control it before moving on. You, you control it and move it on at the same time. It was tremendous. You know, that, <laughs> the really interesting thing is that Paul, years ago, we, we looked at possibly opening up a gym together. You know, it didn't happen for all sorts of reasons. But I've recently learned that Paul is, has opened, or is opening a gym in Oldham, you know, which I'm really chuffed about because he was a non-athlete. And yet he's carried on training i used to love training paul because he tried everything you know he, he did everything um but you never say well he's one of the back he weren't the fastest he weren't the strongest weren't the most powerful except in that very narrow area of a two to three meter um circle he was incredible nobody could t- touch him for what he did and obviously i'd have to show exercises to show what he did for people to really understand that um but now all these years later, he's opening up a gym. And I would have never thought that, except for when he came to me and said, oh, you know, do you fancy opening up a gym? You know, shall we have a look at it? And I was really pleased with that, but it never actually happened. There were so many things going on. He,
0: he He's a freak, which we all knew before what you have just said, because <clears throat> some somebody who's not particularly big, not particularly athletic, and not even... So Messi's not very big. He's tremendously powerful and fast, which Paul was different about. But his, his brain his vision and his football is amongst the finest that probably you and I have seen in our lives. In what way then, if he is the, the slight oddity of the, the bulk of the people that you work with at Manchester United, in what way was your, your power work still able to benefit him at all, in any small details?
1: The reason that it could benefit him is because he wasn't very good at anything apart from playing football. So what you do is build up these little bits that created him an opportunity to be more robust so in other words you know you're doing injury prevention work with him you know you're doing performance work with him you, then then you, if you look right the way through you're doing balancing work which is so important to Bo, uh, paul was balance and then is acceleration over three meters now three meters is my favorite acceleration when i test you know, most people, you know, most of these universities and football clubs, they want a 40-meter sprint, uh, acceleration, whatever you want to call it. But my favorite is three meters because you do the first three meters of acceleration and then they have to decelerate and then they have to be uh, having, uh, looking all the time at what's, what's going on around them. And then they've got to perform. They've got to come into composure and then the skill of striking the ball. That's where, where that guy was at his best. You put him in a three meter area and he goes for it. You see, he might not be the fastest on the timer, but it's not the timer is not the important thing. It gives you a guide, but it's not the most important thing. It's how he goes as fast as he can over the three meters and then decelerates fast. So you accelerate fast and decelerate fast. And then it's the speed of bringing your body into composure while seeing the big picture and then actually getting that ball to where it needs to be. Now that is far beyond what most um, sprint athletes and you know, people who, who take these measurements of uh, 20 meters, 40 meters, 60 meters, whatever they do. It lacks all that and this is what, I, I was talking to our sports scientists strength and conditioning back in the day and they said, no, no, what you're, you're, what you're doing is not scientific. So it, it doesn't mean anything. I'm saying no what you what you're doing is scientific in your eyes but it's not doing well, it's not specific to football. so the balance is not just about physical balance it's the balance in perception, it's in visualization, it's being able to hear what you need to hear and then to be able to move your body into the right position, which we call composure to be able to do the very thing of the art of football and to me that's what football is it's it's an art well in general you know any sport as an artistic uh, element to it and I've always considered the training that I do for footballers to be an art it's not science there's science in there of course but it's blending these the different aspects of the brain and how it works to make sure you get the best output from the body
0: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Our sponsors, kind sponsors, Pet Five, have asked me to ask you, were there any Manchester United players, was there a Manchester United player who perhaps overlooked strength and power and conditioning or who didn't believe in it as much, yet still managed to deliver every week on the pitch? And I think mate, the reason they're asking that is that football has a legendary presence for the guy who, and I've seen this, Marcelo Lippi at Juventus, took me to training and he pointed out a particular Portuguese player who was cold and wearing three jackets and hats and training and mooching around. They said, rubbish, terrible trainer, but come Saturday or Sunday, eight out of ten every single week. Do you recognise that character? Were there people who just didn't understand or buy into what you were doing, but still somehow managed to perform properly over a weekend?
1: I'd spent quite a bit of time with Brian McClare. Brian did not believe in what I did. He did not believe in, in, in the gym. He believed in the 10,000 hours principle. Brian believed that, you know, the kids should have a ball at the feet for 10,000 hours over the set, is it eight years or something like that? That's what it's got to be. He said to me, I never went in the gym. Never. I never did the gym training. And yet, he was a top line professional footballer. Nobody can ever take that away from him. And then he came into coaching and, you know, running the academy. So I would never take that away from him. But I do say he's probably a one off. And he was from the, you know, the the bygone days, if you like. Now, I understand him because what he was seeing was as things developed, there was more and more strength and conditioning, you know, uh, sports science, analytics, all this. And he could see that the the game was being overrun by all these people who actually didn't even know about football. I mean, the basic strength and conditioning guy is not really a footballer, you know, he's... He's been taught about how to get your biceps stronger, you, you know, your legs and all these things, perhaps a bit faster and, and, and turns and stuff like that. But he doesn't see the game. You see, the greatest thing about Cristiano, apart from the fact that he, he brought all aspects of everything that's necessary To become the greatest footballer Which I think he is I know people dispute that But I think he is Because I've seen what he did To bring everything together His diet His sleep His training His speed His power his, um, His skill All these different things He brought them all together But the most important aspect Of his training Which is way beyond anybody else's Is this When he's doing any type of training He's in the game If he's got a ball at his feet he's not on you know back of the hill at carrington he's in a game somewhere when he's in the gym doing his his strength and exercise he's in the game that he's going to be using this strength his real strength was his ability to with vision to visualize where this work is gonna be usable so it's
0: all it's like you it's it's this is where i was going to go next because you, you you explained that one of the things that makes you special successful is that it's applied coaching it's applied development for a reason and you've just said that same thing about cristiano that everything he was trying to do was for a specific purpose not only mentally but your phrase there fascinates me that he's envisioning where a particular jump or a twist or a sprint or a Leaning back, building your back muscles so that when he leans back and takes the ball and it's killed, stone dead, that... Watching that is fucking orgasmic. Participating in that and helping that must have been wonderful for you. Well,
1: it was because, you see, I'm, I'm being taught by these people. These players are coming along and they're teaching me. It wasn't the professor at the university, like I say, but I listened to lads who were going through the teaching process. And I don't think they've got enough football in them, you know, in what they're being taught to really understand what they need. And this is what Brian's big thing was. We're doing too much that's not football. They need 10,000 hours of, of, of running with the ball at the feet. Well, of course, you don't actually, but that was his just a way of, you know, summing it up. You know, you can't just have a ball at your feet. There's so many other aspects to being a footballer, you know, from a physical point of view, from the fitness point of view, from power, like cognitive process, whatever you want to call it, there are a lot of other aspects. But he summed it up in saying 10,000 hours with a, a ball yeah. to me. And I understood what he was saying. I didn't agree with him. And that doesn't always go down well, does it? But, <laughs> but that's life, you know what I mean? We move on, don't we? When when one job's gone, we get another job and, you know, we, we just carry on. So... Um, it's very very important that what Brian was really trying to get at from my point of view as, as I saw it was to keep the football the most important thing and to be holding back all these doors that are opening for all these different yeah. people coming in that more people you get in there's more turmoil now that's why for me when I had 75 players at United and we doing the first thing right down to the schoolboys. You know, I knew what they was doing. I I, I had a good handle. Now, listen, I'm not the flaming, uh, you know, I, I am, I'm not very good on computers and writing things down and all that. But I had an, uh, an edge for the knowledge and un- understanding and memory of each player that comes in, certainly of the very top players, of what they need specifically, because I asked the questions and they talked to me.
0: You've mentioned Cristiano, and in The Power and the Glory, the book, uh, that you and Steve Bartram have um, produced, <clears throat> You detail something that has become apparent in later years, but anybody who knew him as a young man knew even then that he he came to United already absolutely convinced that he could become the best player of all time that 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 was his starting point. yeah what did that make working with him like for you because in theory it should have made the process while you worked with him, so much easier
1: it should it should do and, and it did do to a degree but you've got to remember these these guys who come in and have worked really hard everybody used to say that this skinny kid who was 18 and now he's you know in six months time he's a monster well he never was he came as a fantastic physique everything about him he, you could see how hard he's worked and you know but what he wanted to do he wanted to be the best player in the world so what he'd done so far wasn't enough what do I now need to do? How do I improve on what I'm doing? And of course, I give him the yardstick. And he knew the yardstick. The yardstick was a guy called Ryan Giggs. So Ryan Giggs was way ahead of everybody, coming into the gym for years. But then Cristiano came in, and he knew, and he, it, it, it was mentioned Ryan Giggs was one of the people that he looked at and one of the reasons he came to United. Ryan Giggs, guess what? He was the one in the gym the most. He won all them things. He come from such a, an early back. His dad was a rugby player and he played rugby as well. But he came in in an humble manner and said, "Look, what about doing this? What about doing that?" It was unbelievable to, to train with Ryan. Absolutely adored the guy. He was so focused. And what Cristiano was saying to me: "How do I get better than him? I want more than him. You know, I want it. You know, more intense whatever we're doing than him." To make sure I'm better than him. And so I had to come up with things. You know to make sure. That he was ahead of Ryan. Which sounds ridiculous. But the only way that could happen. Is if he put more time and effort in. Than Ryan Giggs. Now I remember Ryan. Uh, kicked my ass to be honest with you. At one time. Because I've been working with them both for a long time. But I could see where Cristiano was going. Ryan was. Remember he was a, he was a lot older than. Cristiano, so what happened with uh, Ryan, he got everything sorted out so he could have a really good long career so he'd really worked on so many different things, stretching and yoga and you know he used to love the boxing and the whacker and all this sort of stuff you know, but you've done that and what happens as you, as you get older, as you mature, you recognise what you need to keep you going because you don't want to lose it so he's in his thirties and the time scale he wanted to have longevity in his career so that's what he's trying to work towards making sure his career had good longevity and that's what he did and when uh, Cristiano comes in of course he's he's already at a very high level anyway and he pushes on and he was training more than than writing I made a comment in uh, one of the uh, United's magazines or something and said that Cristiano was the most dedicated trainer at that time, now he, he in, in some ways, he was right, because he said to me, you are really getting on my nerves, I said, why, he said, you know, that statement he made there, makes it sound like, you know, I'm not working hard enough, and of course he was working hard enough, and if you looked at what he'd done so far, compared with Cristiano, no, he was the most dedicated, but Cristiano's intensity and work and the fact that he's stepped everything up, but was able to control the amount of football he was doing. So he, he was getting what uh, Brian McLeod was saying. He was getting all the football in, but he was getting these other things in as well. And that's what seemed oh. so good. He just went above and beyond everybody else. And that's why Ryan, in the end, he's thinking the way he's done it, and he was quite right, but he bollocked me. You know, it was the stick across the shoulders from Ryan.
0: The penultimate one is from our sponsors again, and um, t wanted me to know that, and it's a topic I love because when I was young I read about Bill Shankly. You talked about Alec having, uh, you know, having done some massage. I used to see pictures of Don Revie at Leeds soaping up and massaging his players. It was the most bizarre thing I'd ever seen, but you know, it had a purpose. Bill Shankly would refuse to talk to even his most important footballers at Liverpool if they got injured, as if it was their crime, as if it was their fault. <clears throat> Wayne Rooney has often talked about how much he hated being injured during his career. In terms of injury prevention or rehab from injury, how easy was he to work with compared to others, given that he detested not being in prime, well, not being in the shape he thought was prime and not playing?
1: The thing about um, Wayne is, and what people don't understand, if if you don't sit and talk to well more listen to and then reason with them you really haven't got a clear vision of what they're looking at and if you don't see what they're looking at how can you know how to advise them i'll tell you something about wayne rooney he was a footballer he wanted to play football and guess what the most important thing in football is scoring goals, goals. yeah so he wanted to score goals so you see that vision of him scoring goals what's on his mind you know what i mean I want to score goals, and he wants to be in the best shape and the best mind to be able to do that. Okay, and so the most important thing when he was at Everton, he said he mainly played six aside, and that's why he had so many opportunities of shooting the ball to score goals. Uh, okay, and he loved yeah. that. Now they didn't do as much of that at United, but they had a more uh, bigger spread. And we did some gym work, but that's where he wanted to be. When there's not a goal there and the ball isn't there, he's not as interested. And so he'd come in and he'd do stuff, you know, like most of them did, you know, but he wasn't up there with Cristiano in how many hours he spent there, nowhere near. But he still trained very, very hard with the focus on scoring goals. But then he got an injury. Now He had an injury prior to going to one of the World Cups. Guy, he broke broke a um, metatarsus or something like that. That's right. So I've been training some of the players for a long time, and really good lads, you know. And at the same time, um, Alan Smith was there because I remember us going out on bikes, you know, around the streets and everything, doing bike riding that. But when Wayne came in, although he didn't come to the gym very often, what's absolutely startled me about the lad was this: is he wanted to get fit. And I said, look, Wayne, you're going to have to forget your goals at the moment because you can't play goals or you can't score goals. You have to forget about shooting and being out with the ball. Now you've got to do something that's going to change you into the best shape you can be so that you pick up when you go to the World Cup, be really, really fit, even though you're not playing football. Now, we're either doing it or we're not doing it. He so said, look, I, I, I don't know what to do, so whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. So I put him to the test. Do you know what happened? In the gym, within four weeks, he was beating every single player on every single exercise, whether it repetitions or whether it weight. That's how focused he was. When it comes to the boxing and wrestling, so I mean, I used to have to wrestle as well, you know, and he used to throw me all over the bloody places. <laughs> like most of them did, you know what I mean? But that was the thing. His mind was on doing a job.
0: Go and read more about this phase of Mixed Life. It's published by Reach Sport. It's called The Power and the Glory. You'll understand why after listening to this um, interview, but if you've only heard people talking about this interview, after three, four pages, particularly an introduction by Cristiano Ronaldo, you'll understand why it's called The Power and the Glory. And you'll understand why I'm recommending it. it as a fantastic read about a very skillful, very characterful, slightly idiosyncratic man, which I approve of fully. It's been a pleasure listening to you. I wish I had a, a, a coach, a, 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 an artist like you in my life at an earlier stage. Uh, this has been a joy, Clegg. You are a bit special.